What every blessing to you all. Welcome back to my open air pulpits. Spring has finally arrived. Last Sunday, the clocks went forward one hour, so we are now officially in British summertime. This past Monday, lockdown was lifted. We can now breathe again, live again, be free again. Of course, we are free in Christ, you understand, but for 12 weeks, we were told to stay at home, only go out if it was an emergency. And it was frustrating because we want to get the gospel out as and when we can because the streets were empty for many many weeks so we are now back on the streets this friday good friday lord willing we will be back on the streets to preach our annual good friday preach pass out tracks sunday back to the book of psalms the 27th psalm if you care to know we've ordered the credit card tracks and we are good to go it's 20 degrees celsius at the moment a beautiful spring morning and of course the more sun that we are privy to the more vitamin d we get and of course the more vitamin d we get the healthier we are well, i thought for this morning i would return to the pulpit and revisit and re-record a message i first recorded back in 2009 called a family in hell a rather somber subject i know and we've been making videos since 2004 so almost almost 20 years and it's good to revisit old messages to get more light to preach on the dark subject of hell when people say he is a hellfire preacher what they are saying without realizing it is that he is like jesus christ because of course jesus christ would preach on hell around three times each year so for three and a half years that's nine times he would preach on hell you say why is hell real why is it eternal what's it all about well of course god is eternal and when god made man an angel he made both to be eternal to enjoy eternal fellowship with him of course hell wasn't made for mankind it was made for the devil and his angels matthew 25 but of course if you die without christ if you die lost where can you go where would you go where would you want to go if you went to heaven it'd be hell for not only those in heaven but for those arriving in heaven who didn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, forced to worship God forever. And of course, if you died saved, believing in the Lord and went to hell forever, it'd be a miserable place for you. So of course, it's going to be heaven for the redeemed, hell for the lost. And I will expound that more this morning. Luke 16 is a very powerful piece of scripture. And most liberals will say that Luke 16 is a parable, how they wish that was so. That was uh, said about uh, Ezekiel when he was preaching against the apostasy, the sin in Israel during his day, what, 500 BC? And they said he preaches parables. Basically, what he's saying isn't so. Uh, he's playing with words, so on and so forth, because he wasn't playing with words. He was warning people about a coming judgment, as would the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're saved, praise God, rest in the Lord. And if you're lost, you should be worried, you should be fearful. Christ preached on hell three times every year. So if you go to a church or if you're part of a ministry or if you support someone who offers themselves as a man of God and never preaches like ever about hell or tiptoes around it or sits in the fence, then you're dealing with somebody who doesn't really believe in the word of God. Let's start this morning from a very hot open air pulpit and it feels like summer, not spring, but you know me, I'm not complaining. We've had weeks and weeks of miserable grey weather i think we had a bit of snow for a short period of time but uh, once the spring arrives it's good and of course once the summer arrives it's even better 
Luke 16 is a place to begin when it comes to what happens when a person dies. And let's begin this morning, if we may, in Luke 16:19. There was a certain rich man, note that, which was clothed in purple and fine linen. Purple, like scarlet, is pictured in uh, Revelation as being synonymous with royalty. And fared sumptuously every day. He was someone to behold, I suppose. He was someone who appeared to have everything. He would be uh, like a banker, like a entrepreneur, or a philanthropist, somebody to look up to. And there was a certain beggar, contrast, named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. He's got sores, he's got marks all over his body. Uh, we could say that perhaps by today's standards, uh, somebody who would self-harm, somebody who would cut themselves, uh, denoting pain. Of course, there was a spirit behind those who cut themselves. I'm sure you understand that. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Almost parallels the Syrophoenician lady in uh, Matthew's Gospel and Mark's. A Gentile woman had a young daughter who was devil-possessed and she sought the Lord out begged him two or three times to heal her daughter. She really did persevere with the Jewish Messiah. And because that wasn't quite the Lord's ministry at that point in time to deal with the Gentiles, that were fought to the apostles, of course, later on. Technically, he wasn't obliged to help out that Gentile woman. But because he's merciful, long-suffering, full of love and uh, compassion and mercy, he stepped in, dealt with the woman's daughter, and she was set free from the devil but the point was she would even say how the children or the dogs as she called herself a dog that's what gentiles are referred to goyim are referred to she's even the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table she was accepting that the jews were superior and he said uh, her faith was to be rewarded of course designed to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table moreover the dogs came and licked his sores could be literal dogs and why not dogs eat their own vomits pigs eat anything and everything so you've got a picture of two people living around the same time one is wealthy in the eyes of the jews mr prosperous mr blessed mr i have everything and if you don't have what i have you are cursed you are damned you are anathema i guess for today we would say this that the prosperity gospel movement would look at someone like lazarus as being an outcast somebody with nothing to offer society a drain on society that's what they say and this rich man they would say must be blessed jehovah has looked very favorably on him but of course it goes back to how did he make his money in the first place people never think to ask the question how did he make his money in the first place or how does she make her money in the first place i mean to become a multi-millionaire or a multi-billionaire you can be sure that such people cut many corners. 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So they both die around the same time. The beggar dies and he's carried. It's like he is escorted to Abraham's bosom. He gets a one-way ticket to Abraham's bosom, of course, pre the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone went into the ground, saved, unsaved, made no difference. They all went down into the hearts of the earth. 
only now does Paul say absent from the body present with the Lord if we were to die right now those of us which are saved we go straight to be with the Lord our spirits are already in heaven with the Lord right now of course our bodies will await for the rapture and when the rapture comes body soul and spirits are put together but here it says that the beggar died 22 and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom like a escort if you will an angelic escort the rich man also died and was buried no mention of angels coming to meet the rich man so you've got two men living around the same time one lives a nice big property by the world standards he's got everything probably a wonderful wife many children houses cars swimming pool tennis courts lives very well like John MacArthur and on the outside you've got a poor man with nothing probably no wife no children homeless no car no private medicine begging I mean you can't get much lower than being a beggar can you and they both die around the same time they both go to the same place 23 and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom he could see he could recognize Abraham as one of the great patriarchs he still saw the beggar there was no loss of memory there was no amnesia there was no annihilation and it would be nice wouldn't it for those of us with unsaved friends and family to say maybe hell isn't real maybe it's annihilation and it's interesting when people die how many Christians become agnostic they say well, I don't know where he is or I don't know where she is or perhaps maybe he or she received Christ before they died that's always a nice thought isn't it of course as the nice weather comes so do the flies so bear with me but it says how he was in hell 23 not Hades he was in hell not Sheol all of your new Bibles like to change the word hell to Hades or Sheol or the pits and of course when they do that most people don't know what you're talking about if I was to say to you get the Hades out of here or if I was to say to you I've been to Sheol and back to the average person in the street they'd have no idea what I was talking about but if I said I've been to hell and back I'll get the hell out of here people know what I'm speaking about of course lifts up his eyes in hell 23 being in torments not just one but torments in a plurality many torments and seeth Abraham afar off he can see him and Lazarus in his bosom you think of John the Apostle in the Lord's bosom picture of intimacy of course Eve came from the rib of Adam and John leaning on the breast of Christ picturing intimacy but also picturing the uh, picturing the church coming from Christ Adam gave his life for his wife if you will Christ gave his life for his wife as well but of course people come along with warped imaginations dark uh, thoughts and try and twist the relationship between Jesus and John like they would do with David and uh, Jonathan back in the Old Testament but it gets worse 24 and he cried and said father Abraham have mercy on me and said Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and call my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame our souls are a bodily shape according to uh, the book of Revelation it speaks about those who are martyred during the tribulation and they are crying out to God day and night how long O oh Lord when will you avenge us so forth 
But 24, it says how he cried and said, Father Abraham. You say, why is he calling him father? Didn't Jesus say, call no man father? Yes, that's true. Just because he calls Abraham father doesn't mean that God would condone of it. You're told to call no man father. You're, called, you're told to call no man rabbi. And you're told to call no man master. Father, rabbi, master are all out. Master Mason, you think of the Freemasons. Rabbi, you think, you think of these messianic groups that come along. Rabbi such and such. You have only one teacher being Christ. And of course, father, only God the father is your father. So throw out father, master, and rabbi. I am tormented in this flame. It's hard to really think, isn't it? I mean, it's hot, quite, it's, it's hot at the moment. It's quite nice at the moment. 20 degrees Celsius. If I was to spend a couple of hours up here, I'd probably catch the sun, but it'd be okay. I would be able to go home, have some cold water, and be appreciative of the sun <laughs> after many weeks of uh, miserable weather. But if I was to spend a whole week up here, day and night with 20, 25, 30 degrees Celsius, or in the far east, 40, 45, 50 degrees Celsius, be unbearable i would hate it i'd much rather be in the cold than in, in the hot i remember years ago when i first got saved i went to romania and that was the coldest weather i've ever experienced and uh, maybe 15 or 16 years ago i went to majorca for holiday and it was very hot mid to late 30s and that was the hottest weather that i've yet to experience and i thought well, i'll be going home soon uh, back to the uk the heat uh, can stay in spain and I'll be going home to the UK from Poland. The cold can stay in Poland. I was happy to get out of both places. It was temporary. Look at 25. But Abraham said, son. Because of course Abraham is one of the patriarchs. I was able to give uh, a level of respect back to the rich man again father and son is problematic for today for this dispensation and Abraham acknowledging the reverence if you will the respect although technically it's too little too late remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things didn't he just and likewise Lazarus evil things but now he is comforted that's the job of the Holy Ghost to comfort us and thou art tormented not just for a period of time and eventually you are released from this holding cell but the pain the suffering the level of torture will continue for all of eternity 26 and beside all this between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot neither can they pass to us that would come from thence there's no purgatory there's no intercession for lost people when somebody dies let's say martin luther king let's say nina simone let's say malcolm x let's say uh, george floyd let's say sean connery uh, let's say whitney houston just a few names that come to my mind when those people die they either go up or they go down but of course many times people become agnostic they say well maybe he got saved maybe she got saved maybe he was always saved maybe she was always saved they hope that's the case but of course they're kidding themselves then he said 27 i pray thee therefore father back to that term again father 
that thou would ascend him to my father's house, my biological father's house, fire five brethren, I've got five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. The worst part of this story is not only the rich man is burning, and he's conscious, and he's able to communicate with Abraham, and that wasn't bad enough, he's got Lazarus, comfortable, safe, secure, once saved, always saved, if saved, always saved, double security, as we like to say, but if that wasn't bad enough, he's starting to be churned up inside. He's thinking about his father and his brothers, a family in hell. It's bad enough when you speak to people on the streets and you share the gospel with them. Just this past week, Patrick spoke to a man from Kenya and a lady from Slovakia, gave the gospel to both of them, made the case how imperative it is to be saved right now, not only with the current climate, climate but with things being where they are generally anyway, because like I say, 8,000 people still die every hour, rain or shine, crisis or not, and they took the tracks, and he was able to spend some time with this couple, and he said, well, he said it was one of the best witnesses he's had in a long time. But the worst part is, if you have a mother or a father, a child or children, and they die unexpectedly in a car crash, or murder, or suicide, a heart attack, a stroke, whatever it might be, just drop down dead. And yes, many times people do just drop down dead. Healthy people with no underlying health problems, does happen of course. That's bad enough and you hope, you think, well maybe my mother got saved, or maybe my father got saved, or maybe my son or my daughter got saved, or maybe my grandchild or grandchildren got saved. I spent many years witnessing to them, sent them tracks around Easter time, Christmas time. I have no idea if it made any difference, of course. And they live with that uncertainty, uneasy feeling. 29, Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, he got the Old Testament. So he got two Jews. Let's be clear. He got two Jews. One was a rich man. One was a poor man. Both living around the time of Jesus, or maybe before. Who knows? But let's say they are both Jews living around the time, or ish, of the time of Jesus. Chosen race. They got Moses and the prophets. They got the Old Testament, which of course was written in Hebrew and Aramaic for hundreds of years, only available in Hebrew and Aramaic. And Abraham is saying, there's more than enough in the Old Testament to get saved. And he was right. There's more than enough in the Old Testament to convict your brethren, your family. And that's why it's good to use the Ten Commandments to show people they need to be born again. Break them down, of course. For today, we have the New Testament. For today, we have a, uh, a lot more light. Far more light. We have more knowledge about... Uh, science as well which affirms creation of course and we have many more books we have a lot more material access to anything and everything is in abundance and yet we are living in a period of dearth absolute dearth and he said verse 30 nay father abraham back to that term again father abraham he's almost battering him up he's almost uh, flattering him Nay, Father Abraham, no Father Abraham. But if one went unto them from the dead, like Lazarus, 
but that made no difference. They still conspired to kill Lazarus after he'd been resurrected, of course. They will repent, change their minds. Another problem with repentance is that people think you have to stop sinning in order to be saved, or turn from all of your sins in order to be saved, or keep the Sabbath, or join a church, or speak in tongues, or do this or do that. That's, or that, 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 that way of thinking is very carnal. It goes back to people thinking that if they did this or did that, they would be saved. Salvation is a grace, for by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's free. You can't wait for it. Repentance is a change of mind. 31, and he said unto him, If they will hear Moses and the prophets, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. The one rose from the dead. Very wonderful and valid points. If they won't listen to the Old Testament, 39 books, speaking about the Messiah, the Ten Commandments, written with the hand of God. If they won't listen to the Word of God, if the prophets are not going to make it, or the prophets don't make it for you, if they don't sway you, if your conscience doesn't bother you, doesn't convict you, then what can I do for you? That also points back to Christ. He goes into the ground, he comes up after three days. He only appears to those that believed on him. Over 500 brothers at once, 500 brethren at once, brothers and sisters at once. Doesn't go back to Pilate, doesn't go back to Herod. Just speaks to the church, an intimate briefing, if you will. Like the rapture, only for the church. The second advent is for the whole world to see. But the rapture is only for the church. And even after he comes up from the tomb, <coughs> Pilate doesn't get saved. Herod doesn't get saved. Caiaphas, Annas, all those guys don't get saved. The Apostle Paul would get saved. He was the exception, of course. But the point is, if the scripture doesn't do it for you, if the story of a resurrected man doesn't do it for you, nothing will. That's why when we preach the gospel, we try to avoid uh, gimmicks. We try to keep it simple to the point. We don't like to play games with people like some evangelists do. Or one, two, three, pray with me. Or ask Jesus into your heart. These things don't save you, of course. You're saved by believing. You're saved by receiving. 19. Certain rich men, clothed with purple and fine linen, designer clothes, fed sumptuously every day, shoes made from Italy perhaps, had the best foods. And there was a certain beggar, a poor man named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, a gated community, a private accommodation, full of sores to look at. You would think he was a drug addict in a terrible state. We'd say probably today uh, may have had uh, leprosy. Designed to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. He's humble as well. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Dogs in the Bible normally picture Gentiles, people outside of the Old Testament, but for the New Testament, dogs picture unsaved men in general. Cain passed 22 that the beggar died and was carried. By the angels, not just one, but angels, into Abraham's bosom in the earth, paradise. Now paradise is third heaven. That's where God lives, third heaven. The rich man also died and was buried. He gets a burial, and rightly so. Not just thrown into a pit. 
and in hell, and I mean hell, he lift up his eyes, both of his eyes, being in torments, everlasting shame and contempt, that's what Daniel 12 says, and John chapter 5, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, he knows Lazarus, he knows Abraham, when we get to glory, we will recognize all of the greats, from uh, Adam, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, David, Josiah, Solomon, Saul, and yes, I think King Saul was saved. I know many people don't like to think he was saved, but I believe he was saved. So if you can recognize people when you die, the greats, you recognize people uh, that died lost as well. In other words, if you die lost, like this man here has died, you still know what's going on. You still can see people are far off. There's no doubt in your mind who is who. Cried and said, 24, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. No mercy for the wicked. And saying Lazarus, like he's a waiter, to wait on a rich man, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and call my tongue. My tongue. What does James say about the tongue? Word of iniquity. One minute we are blessing the Lord. The next minute we are condemning one another. Nobody's ever tamed the tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. His soul is a bodily shape built to last for all of eternity to have fellowship with the Lord you have free will to believe or reject the Lord God and if you die rejecting him you go down and your soul is now going to be tormented in this flame incidentally this is the first death not the second but Abraham said son remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things we're not told exactly why that was the case but my experience has been over the years when I've looked at people's biographies and autobiographies and studied history in general that most people who make it to the top 1% your billionaires your millionaires did so through shady dealings organized crime so on and so forth and now he is comforted once saved always saved uh, once saved always saved uh, saved and thou art tormented tormented you're being tortured. Second Thessalonians speaks about everlasting torture. Revelation 14 speaks about uh, suffering in the presence of the Lamb of God. You see Christ as you're burning. And it's been said in uh, Isaiah 34 that during the millennial reign, those who are redeemed with the Lamb on the new earth or new Jerusalem will see those burning in hell for all of eternity. It's horrible, isn't it? And beside all this, there was a great gulf fixed. So that they which will pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Out goes witches, seances, clairvoyance. Another problem today, many people, especially women, are prone to visit a clairvoyance and say, please get me in contact with such and such a person. I want to speak to such and such a person. It's mainly women who are caught up in that movements and a lot of these mega ministries in america run by women are followed by women interesting isn't it same sort of a thing but the point is when you die you're fixed your location is fixed for all of eternity if you die saved you're in heaven forever romans 8 28 29 30 31 32 34 34 35 36 37 38 nothing will ever separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord amen but if you die lost into the ground you go and you stay there until the second death. And of course, at the second death, it gets even worse for you.
This is the first death and it's bad enough because he's died, he's conscious, he's worrying about his father and his brothers, a family in hell. Horrific, isn't it? Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would ascend him to my father's house. Of course, Abraham had no authority to release Lazarus. And yet Catholics prayed to dead saints to intercede for them. And yet here, Abraham has no authority to do so. All he's able to do is tell the rich man what can and cannot happen, what will and will not happen. Five, five brethren, five brothers, that he may testify, preach unto them, warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. It's a place, it's like a compartment. I mean, you're in solitary confinement for all of eternity. Can you imagine that? I mean, it's bad enough if you find yourself ill or sick. It's bad enough if things go against you. It's bad enough if you suffer with this or that. At least it's temporary. It doesn't last forever. You go to hospital. You can recover, hopefully, and go home, hopefully. Or you are ill with a virus or a sickness. You may recover, hopefully. But how about solitary confinement? Thought of eternity. 29. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. This could also be a reference to the first five books of the Old Testament, but more likely the entire Old Testament. Let them hear them. That's the power of Scripture. Scripture can save you. It can comfort you. It can hurt you. It can also heal you. It's a two-edged sword. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham. He's almost arguing with him. But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. But again, not necessarily. It's a heart problem. Your head knows what's what you see this beautiful creation all around the sun shining a nice gentle breeze all the shrubbery the wild area of my open air pulpit a creation always presupposes a creator right conscience comes from the creator doesn't evolve all these things point back to god romans chapter one but it's not enough because people don't want to accept it People want to run to the science religion. Follow the science, they say. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, and for today the New Testament, neither will they be persuaded, convinced. The one rose from the dead. Christ was raised after three days. Would appear to over 500 people at once. That first generation of Christians were all martyred for their faith in Christ. The second century was a suffering church the third century it starts to become apostate by the fourth century you've got the state church system and right up until the reformation christendom if you will is in darkness the iniquity of the uh, mystery of iniquity has now come onto the face of the earth the church per se or the church generally the uh, so-called christendom as it's called professing christianity that's a better expression the professing church is state and church the pope is the emperor He's God, if you will, on the earth, in his own little mind, of course. And his cardinals, his bishops, his archbishops are his minions. The people are victims to the hierarchy. And the Pope thinks he is God on the earth. Of course, it's a picture of the Antichrist during the millennial reign. And for 
hundreds of years, it was hard to get people to be saved because most couldn't read or write. The Word of God was locked away. The Reformation came along, which was pretty good for the most part, although there are problems with the Reformation. But the point is, here we are 2,000 years later, and even to this day, you share the Old Testament with people, the prophecies of the Old Testament, you, you share the New Testament with people, you preach about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, people push back. They push back, they don't want to receive it. They think they are good to go on their own. They think that Jesus is all love, no righteousness, no holiness. They have a very superficial and shallow view of Almighty God. And of course, when people start to die, 54 million every 12 months, of course, 54 million die every 12 months. 54 million are born every 12 months. Perfectly balanced. It's supernatural. The earth clears out the dead, if you will. The earth wipes out the sick and the dying. What does evolution say? Survival of the fittest. And when somebody dies, somebody else is born to a place. The person who has died. But the worst part of it is all still to come. The worst part isn't that the rich man has died and he's conscious. He can see, he can feel, he can experience, he can have a relationship or a conversation with Abraham. This is the first death, not the second death. The second death, it gets even worse. You can't speak, you can't see, you're like a worm. And your bodily soul deteriorates into quite likely a worm of some kind. And that pain, that shame, lasts all of eternity. But the worst parts of the rich man's death isn't that he's lost, and he knows it too. That's pretty rough, isn't it? But the worst part of it is, how about my father? How about my brothers? The thought of my family being in hell forever and not even knowing where his family are. I mean, you're in solitary confinement. Yet you've got screaming and shouting all around you like a madhouse, like a detention center. But you will never know for sure, will you, where your family went upon death. The rich man had no idea whether his, fa uh, whether his father would go to heaven or hell upon death. He had no idea about his own brothers, where they would go upon death. It's double torture, isn't it? You love your wife, you love your children, you love your grandparents, you love your grandchildren. And you say you're saved, praise the Lord for that. And you hope your own family are saved. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. Maybe they're not, but you don't know, do you? And one day they die, and uh, where they go, you don't really want to accept, though you know in your heart of hearts that they've gone to hell, of course. But the focus of this morning's message is the rich man who had everything, could click his fingers, servants would come running, had the world at his feet, like Napoleon, Charlemagne, all the popes. Goes to hell. He knows there's only one way in, no way out, and he thinks to himself, what about my family? Will they come to this awful place of suffering? I can't bear to think of it. And in some ways, based on God's grace, even to an unsaved person, he will hold that knowledge back from a lost person. Imagine being in a room and you're being tied up and somebody's robbing your property. And the next door your wife is being tortured or your daughters are being raped in the next room or your son is being sodomized upstairs. 
You can't get out, you can't rescue your family. As a father, as a man, that would just tear you up, wouldn't it? You feel worthless, helpless, less than a man, a worm, as Job speaks about himself. And the Lord's, even in his mercy, when it comes to lost people, will spare them that additional pain and suffering. You die without Christ, you go to hell forever, everlasting pain and suffering, shame and contempt. You've got no idea where your wife ended up, your children or your grandchildren. Most people, when they read this piece of scripture, say it's a parable, it's a riddle, it's a story, not to be taken seriously or literally. That's wishful thinking. When I first read this nearly 20 years ago, it cut me. I thought this was a real story of two people who died around the same time. It could have been a hundred years before Christ, a thousand years before Christ. It makes no difference. And these two characters have both been in the ground for at least 2,000 years, maybe 3,000 years, 2,500 years, awaiting the resurrection because, of course, they're Jews. And that's eternal abode will never change for these two people. So please, if you're not saved, get saved. Protect your eyes, protect your ears, protect yourself from propaganda, from liberals, apostates, people don't really believe in the Bible, they just use it as a ploy, a prop to get a crowd. Please excuse the flies, I'm almost finished. But a real preacher, a real man of God, will preach on hell at least three times every year. Whatever's happening, whether there's a problem in the world, a crisis, illness, health problems, what have you, he'll preach on hell and he'll warn people. So use this weekend, if you can, to share the gospel. If you live in the UK, lockdown has been lifted. Go onto the streets, pass out tracks, give your testimony. That's the best part of it all. And here you got a man, if you will, offering his testimony, but of course it's the wrong type of a testimony. Still barking orders upon death, pleading with Abraham to intercede for him. He couldn't do it. And Lazarus doesn't mention anything, doesn't even speak, isn't part of this conversation between Abraham and the rich man. And it ends in 31 again. If they hear not Moses and the prophets. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Neither will they be persuaded. The one rose from the dead. How true. Because Christ came up from the dead. And we preach that. And people push back on that. And we share scriptures like I say. And people ignore that. And therefore such people are left to their own devices. And when they die. They go into the hearts of the earth. Weeping and wailing of eternity the second death comes along the names are not found written in the lamb's book of life and their souls smaller versions of our human bodies they have they have uh, hands they have eyes they have a tongue they can see they can feel they can hear so on so forth their body shaped bodies or body shaped objects 
are then destroyed and sent off into hell for all of eternity. There's no annihilation, there's no burn up, it lasts for all of eternity. You can't imagine it, can you? Yes, heaven and earth will pass away and we look for a new heaven and a new earth, but Christ shed his blood on this earth and uh, that will never change and earth per se will be redesigned, reconfigured at the second advent, but hell stays in the earth. It has been said by some incidentally that hell in the future gets thrown into the sun. I can't find scripture for that. It's an interesting hypothesis. We know that in the book of Isaiah it says that the sun is seven times stronger during the thousand year reign. A bit like uh, when Daniel and his friends were thrown into the lion's den and it says how they turn up the heat seven times stronger, pitching also the seven year period of the tribulation. But whether hell stays in the earth for all of eternity or gets thrown into the sun to burn for all of eternity is horrific, whichever way you approach it. So please, if you're not saved, get yourself born again, washed in the blood. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ to save you. Read the Bible each and every day. Stay close to the Lord Jesus Christ. We will be posting our videos uh, from now on to Facebook. Uh, and of course our website, excatholicsforchrist.com, will host everything that we produce from uh, this day forth. The goal is to continue to push on for as long as we can, while we can, uh, because people still need to hear the gospel, people still need to have hope, they still need to be reassured that God loves them, that he has a plan for them if they are saved. It may be a limited plan, but he has a plan for those who are saved. Jeremiah had a plan laid out for him, as did Ezekiel, and so too with the Apostle Paul. It may not be as lavish as those Jewish greats, but it's still a plan. And uh, as long as there is time left, we will do what we can at our ministry to preach the gospel, share the gospel, warn people about the horrors of hell, and of course the glories of heaven, but most will go to hell upon death, and only a few will find the narrow gate. Few, just a few. Most, the majority go to hell. They burn forever, and when we arrive at the judgment seat, those of us which are born again, we are judged for our works. We are judged about what we did after we got saved. And I've said this many times over the years that the worst part of being judged at the judgment seat of Christ is what we didn't do for Christ. Not what we did and shouldn't have done, but what we didn't do for him. The sins of omission. Two men, two contemporaries, lived around the same time, knew one another. The rich man would walk over Lazarus, out of the way my man, my good man, just brush him aside. <coughs> And the rich man with his begging bowl up, please sir, any food for me? Please sir, any spare change? Get away from me, you filthy man. Picturing an unmerciful Jew, contrast that to Christ, a merciful Jew. And like I say, they both die at the same time, go to the same place initially, but there's two compartments. There's one part of Abraham's bosom, another part of Abraham's bosom. A two-way conversation takes place, like shouting over a wall, shouting over a fence. Abraham is in the middle of it, reassuring Lazarus, no doubt, but unable to reassure the rich man. It's a terrifying picture of living a long, prosperous life, making lots of money, being popular. Not necessarily being as wealthy as some would consider to be wealthy, but being comfortable. 
spoiling yourself, looking after yourself, and not sharing the gospel, not giving to people who need to be helped. That's what James 2 is all about. A brother in need, a sister in need, ignoring such people, and too busy feeding the flesh. Of course, the rich man here was never saved to begin with. You understand that, of course. But you get the picture, I hope, how precious life is and what you do in this lifetime will last for all of eternity. And the worst part of it is a family ends up in hell. And once they end up in hell, there's no way out. And, and that wasn't bad enough. You have no idea whether or not your brothers made it to heaven or not, or whether or not your sisters are in hell alongside you, with your mother and father, suffering for all of eternity, shame and contempt, so on and so forth. So I'm going to close it there on that very summer notes, but that's what needs to be done. We need to preach on these difficult topics, these difficult subjects, not skirt around them. But the best thing you can do, I can do, all of us can do, is share our testimonies. How Christ has saved us, changed us, and yet don't get too puffed up, don't brag about how you are now superman or superwoman be honest tell those you speak to that you still have flaws struggles so on so forth but you're saved you're born again you have the perfect peace which passes all understanding and uh, although the outward man is perishing each and every day the inward man is being renewed each and every day we have wonderful news we have a message which is precious and for those of us which are saved we can share it we should share it as often as we can with as many people as we can and on that statement i will now sign out and wish you every peace and joy in the wonderful name of the lord jesus christ amen and amen